you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's Monday, September 19th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of our coach in residence, Stephen Ray Mariucci, known to the world as Mooch. He's the former head coach of the Detroit Lions. Congrats to your Lions. Hey, they've scored over 35 points in a row, two times in a row, and in fact, go back to last year, make it three. He's the former head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Congrats to your 49ers. Jimmy GQ, here you go again. Of course, sympathies are also in order. Coming up, Mooch will answer the question of the day in the city by the bay. Is this a Trey Lance story or is this a Jimmy G story? Hold that thought. We've got questions for every Sunday game, and we will ask them of Mooch, of three-time Super Bowl champion Willie McGinnis, who isn't mic'd up, but he just walked in the room, and of the host of NFL Total Access, MJ Acosta Ruiz. But first... Your unofficial viewer's guide to a Monday night double feature. Game one, Titans and Bills. Titans blew a lead to the Giants in week one. Bills blew away the defending Super Bowl champs in week one. What should we be looking for tonight in Orchard Park? MJ, the mic is yours. Oh, Josh <laughs> Allen to win me this week in fantasy once again. Um, I think it's going to be an unbelievable performance. They are at home. They're feeling great. They're nice and rested. We haven't seen them since... Thursday of week one when they started the year. Um, I think this is going to be just a continuation for the Bills of what we saw in week one. They are not playing around this year, and it is very much a road to the Super Bowl for them. If we see a continuation of what we saw from the Titans in week one, this could be a problem. Saquon ran all over them. They are relieved. Of course, he's not on the Bills roster, but Josh Allen is. Coach, what do you expect to see tonight? I think Mike, Park? Mike Vrabel's going to have this team wound up because losing that first game to the G-Men was a little bit of an embarrassment, even though the mm-hmm. Giants are an improved team this year, right? You're talking about a team, the Titans, who have won that division now a couple years in a row. They're they're prideful bunch, physical bunch, and it's going to be one of those paint swapping kind of uh, <laughs> games tonight. Very physical game, and he's going to he's going to bring the energy. No one knows Mike Vrabel better than Willie McGinnis, who is now mic'd up and ready. Willie, Mac, what are we going to see tonight? In Buffalo. I think that Vrabel will try to slow the game down a little bit. I've played in Buffalo. Vrabel has played a lot of games in Buffalo. It's intense. The crowd gets into it. It's a great place to play. Um, The Bills can really take off if they get momentum. So I think they would run the football, um, try to slow the game down, um, try to steal some possessions from Buffalo. You know how fast they can score, um, how dangerous they are offensively. So you don't want to get into a track meet with them. you got to find ways to take the crowd out of it. Now, let me just tell you this. We've been, we, we've been in situations where we have beaten the Bills by 30 points. Nobody is leaving that stadium. I don't care if it's 30 seconds left. Nobody is leaving. Everybody's going to cheer. So you got to be able to weather the momentum, the momentum swings that's going to happen. And you're not going to take the crowd out of it, but you got to understand that it's going to be a lively environment. And Vrabel knows that, so he'll try to put his team in position to kind of just slow things down. 
Game number two, Vikings and Eagles, two teams with playoff aspirations, two teams with division title aspirations. Vikings owned the Packers in week one. Doesn't sound good, does it, A-Rodge? Sacked Aaron Rodgers four times, picked him off once, and comprehensively outplayed Green Bay in every phase of the game. Eagles were straight showing off against the Lions, but they made enough mistakes to let Dan Campbell's boys back in it late. Who has the edge in this one? Reverse order, Willie. Who has the edge and why? I like the Eagles, and I, I think they have the edge because not only can they go, they can run the ball and they're physical and all those different things, and they can score points on the outside, but their defense. I think they're equipped with the right personnel, guys on the back end, um, to be able to go out and, and stop and slow down um, you know, those receivers with the Vikings. Now, you can't be conservative because those turn into big plays. We saw that against the Packers, guys running all over, guys wide open, and Diggs and uh, Jamison Crowder and all those guys just making play after play after play. You cannot do that with them. But I think they have enough up front where they can get after the quarterback and they can drop guys. When you got Bradbury and Chauncey and and you got Slay, you got some really, really good defensive backs. So I think they match up well. They're going to be up for the challenge, but I think their front seven gives them the opportunity to get after the quarterback and uh, the guys on the back end they trust. Think about these two teams. Both of these teams were, you know, second fiddle in their divisions Mm -hmm. for a while, all right? All of a sudden, the Vikings hold the Packers to seven points, a banged-up Packer team. But, hey, so they think, hey, the Packers are down a little bit this year. And the Eagles are saying, hey, maybe the Cowboys are down a little bit this year. We can win this darn division if we don't screw it up. Or if we we have to win the games, we should win. This is a toss-up game. And usually on these evenly matched kind of games, I usually pick the home team because Eagles fans are nuts, right? And so, but but this is going to be a doozy because you're talking about some some weapons. Weapons, uh, the defenses are going to have to play well because the potential in the passing game is a big play waiting to happen. We know that Jalen Hurts is the dual threat guy, and Kirk Cousins is just the passer, right, from the pocket. But, man, against Slay and all those guys, Adam Thielen's a heck of a player if they're trying to double just our Jefferson. And so this is going to be a game that's probably going down to the last drive of the game. I'm right there with you, Coach. I think it's two teams that want to prove that they are not the second best or the little brother or however you want to explain it in their divisions anymore. And so when two teams have a lot to prove Mm. right out the gate and trying to set the tone for a season, it always makes for a good matchup. I like the Vikings in this one because I really liked what I saw from them last week. But also the Eagles showed a little bit of a deficiency. They let DeAndre Swift run for 144 yards in that game. So I expect Dalvin Cook to get going in this one for the Vikings a lot. And of course, we know what Justin Jefferson can do. That's the Monday Night Preview coming up the Monday Night Picks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast, and if week two in the NFL is proving anything, 
It's that there is no lead that can't be overcome, mm. no narrative that can't be rewritten, and in the case of Tua Tonga-Vailoa, no amount of success that can't be doubted. Tua to the end zone. Willie McGinnis, more accurate. The Dolphins should be proud or the Ravens should be ashamed. Ravens fans all share a feeling of utter disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong either way. I think I think the Dolphins should be proud because more times than none, when you throw a couple of interceptions and you're playing bad and you're down that many points, um, a lot of teams tend to give up and think it's over, especially when you're playing a dominant, really good team. Um, but they fought their way back into that game. They never gave up. Um, they just went one play at a time. And guys who were supposed to make big plays made them in, in, in crucial situations. For the Ravens, um, this team is a veteran coach team. They've been in so many different situations. When you get up 28 points on a team in the fourth quarter, that game's supposed to be over. You're supposed to learn how to put your foot on their necks, close the door, and finish. <laughs> And if you expect to be go deep in the playoffs and be a Super Bowl caliber team, you have to do that. Especially even with the good teams, you have to figure out how to how to do that. To clarify that stat, they were up twenty one points 21. in the fourth quarter, and it had been seven hundred and fifty five games since Jeez. the last time a team blew a twenty one point lead in the fourth quarter. Coach Dolphins proud, Ravens ashamed. I don't like the word ashamed, okay? I mean, that's, you know, embarrassed and shamed. All that stuff is sometimes that's a little bit overdone. I think they're mad. I think they're disappointed. I think they're going to be learning from it. They'll show some resolve because it's like Willie said, it is a veteran team. They know how to win. They should have won that game, right? Just close it out. Mm -hmm. um, the offense played very well. It's the defense that gave up the big plays to this track team over there with Jalen Waddell. And Tyreek Hill made some pl plays. There were some blown coverages. I don't know. All these comebacks. Maybe yeah. maybe the lack of playing time in the preseason is – we're not there with situational football just yet. I don't know. Um, but right now we're seeing some crazy finishes, aren't we? We are. Tua, the fifth quarterback in the last decade to throw for more than 450 yards and six touchdowns in a single game. He now joins a list that includes the names Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, and Peyton Manning. And yet – all I heard this morning, MJ Acosta Ruiz, about your team and your quarterback on national radio were doubts, denials, and equivocations. So many people quick to remind us that it's a system thing, that it's a Mike McDaniel thing. Why is it so hard for people to give Tua Tonga-Vailoa credit? I mean, I think in this particular game, what we saw in the fourth quarter was miraculous, amazing, but for speaking for myself at the half i was like okay we're gonna make some halftime adjustments everything's gonna be fine nobody <laughs> panic but they did it they made the adjustments and man did they adjust but because of the lack of consistency in seeing that kind of performance i mean a performance like that we're not gonna see six touchdowns probably from any quarterback the rest of the year more than likely but to see him galvanize that team to take control, to throw the ball down the field the way he did. He was putting it in Tyreek's chest. I mean, it was beautiful, but we need to see that all the time. So I can understand why people are saying that, but now he's shown us that he can do it. So now it's on Tua to keep that same energy the rest of the year. You know, and I will say this about the systems comment. Like, I played in a, in a system where a lot of people are like, oh, it's a system, it's the system. And you're right. You got to have a good system and structure, but the players have to buy into it. And you got to have really good players to make that system work. 
And we've seen it in other places now that when you don't have the players, doesn't matter who's coaching, what system you got, how great it is, you're not going to win football games. So you got to have the players go out and execute that system. And, and to MJ's point, um, the veteran good coaches like a Mike McDaniel who's been a run coordinator and OC on a good football, they understand that there's certain things you can do to help your team mm-hmm. get back in the game and, and devise game plans and all that. But like Mike McDaniel said, he, Tua needed to, to, to put whatever happened yep. in the first half behind him and go out and just go one play at a time. And he did that. And it, that was a growing moment for Tua. For sure. That was a, definitely a growing moment for him. And now he can't go back from that. Like, mm-hmm. that's motivation. That's saying no matter what's happened, I can overcome whatever and will and put my team in position to win games. So I thought that that one thing was special about that game that I took away. You know what I liked about it? Because Mike McDaniel, where does he come from? San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. And they like to run the football. They use a fullback, and they yep. slam it in there, and they control the game that way. You don't see 49er, or you didn't see 49er quarterbacks swinging it for 469 yards. Right. Well, they did it out of necessity. They got behind. And it was all of a sudden, okay, forget about my system. We are going to be pass happy right now. Let's find out if Tua can do it. We found out that Tua can do it. Uh, to his lucky number on Sunday four, because in the fourth quarter, he had only four incompletions and four touchdowns. And on three of them, we were all asking the same question. Where's the safety? Where's the corner? <laughs> An APB has been put out. We'll let you know if they're found. Uh, okay, next game. The next moment of NFL capitulation in Cleveland. Flacco over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Garrett Wilson. The Jets try to pull a miracle comeback. 15 yards. Strike from Flacco. The Jets were down 13 points with a buck 55 left, and this crowd in Cleveland is stunned. Question, coach: Is Nick Chubb to blame, or has he become a convenient scapegoat because of scoring a touchdown, or because of not falling down? Chubb breaking tackles, and Chubb in for the Browns touchdown. First of all, that situation will come up two, three times a season, okay, Mm -hmm. for the NFL. And what has to happen is whoever's sending in the play has to remind, and they do this all the time. They'll always say, we, you know, give them the situation. All right, the clock's running. We've got two timeouts left. Remind your team to stay in bounds or get out of bounds or whatever that is. It's a coaching point before the play comes in. That should have happened. It didn't happen, okay? So you start with that. The communication from the coach, the huddle, needed to be better. And then otherwise you can't expect in the heat of the moment when you can just jump up uh, by two touchdowns to uh, to just say, oh, wait a minute, let me think about this. Let me do the math. So anyway, it should have been reminded in the huddle prior to that. Teams down 13 with under two minutes to go had closed out a win the previous, wait for it, 2,229 times. Wow. The last team not to do it, also the Browns, insert mistake by the lake joke here. But Willie, that must have been hard for you to watch as a player who played on a team that was known for situational football, that was known for closing out moments and games when you needed to. That must have been hard to watch as a former player. Absolutely. And I played on that football team, the Browns, so it was was even harder to watch because I was rooting for them. And like Coach said, those situations are repeatedly gone over in meetings, on the practice field, and before you go out, the coaches, the players, 
on, on those type of teams, everybody's reminding everybody of what we are going to do in this situation or what, before it happens. So um, it, is a, it is a coaching point. Um, and I do think they have a good coaching staff, but it was, it, was, it was a failure to communicate what needed to be happening because a lot of times the players were, were taught to finish, right? Make a play and finish and, 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 and don't quit and all those different things. But it's tough. It's a growing moment. It's something that they're not going to forget. It's something that the coaching staff is probably going to put more emphasis on, um, you know, when they get back to the meeting rooms and practices and, and preparation and all those different things. But it's also a lost opportunity, you know, for a really good football team on paper um, to continue to move forward. It kind of sets them back a little bit, but something like that could happen. Let's move on to Detroit. Goff to the end zone. St. Brown again. What is the louder damn? The excited damn over Amon Ra St. Brown's performance or the regretful damn by 31 NFL teams who let this kid slide to the fourth round? Coach, you saw what happened in Detroit. Congrats <laughs> to your Lions. Thank you. Talk to me about yeah, that young man. I'm happy for them because it's been a long time since they've been cheering in the, the, the restore the roar, yeah. right? And, and, I knew his dad, okay? How about this? Willie, when I was coaching at Cal State Fullerton, (laughs) all right, his dad, we would go in the weight room and and we would go in the weight room. He would would lift and I'd watch him. (laughs) He would lift everything. He was Mr. Universe twice. I wasn't. And so, I mean, but he he raised some good kids, man. You know, they're smart. They speak many languages. They're great athletes. They're great kids. And you know what? It's no surprise to dad that these kids are doing well right there. And and what did he have? 95 catches or 93 catches last year as a rookie. And and, and so um, Jared Goff is playing and he's reinventing himself too. DeAndre Swift. So this Lions team is going to win some. They're not going to win the division, but they're going to make great progress this year. And they have won themselves a lot of fans. Obviously, we watched them on Hard Knocks. MJ, Dan Campbell, unsurprisingly, typically emotional in the locker room after this win. Hey, Scott! Nice freaking job! If you're a neutral, which is hard to be in the NFL, but if you're a neutral, that was kind of fun to watch. You can always find a moment in that locker room, right? Somebody who stands out. The way they, they, they really lifted up Skip, who, who had just played his first real start after bouncing around, being on so many practice squads, however many years in the league for him. And I think that's, that's sort of the specialness of this Lions team under Dan Campbell, that he's very intentional about the guys that he lifts up when they need it and when the team needs it, right? Giving them an opportunity to be the hero when they didn't even know that they were capable of it. There is there is a little special sauce there um, in Detroit, and I like it. Dancing and looking and directing traffic, and look at the length of this play. <laughs> Murray no, to the 10, on. to the 5, and he's going to convert it. That's unbelievable. Kyler Murray ran 84.9 yards on that two-point conversion, longer than Lamar Jackson's career-long TD run on Sunday. The question in Las Vegas, amazing win or shocking loss? MJ. It was both. I was wondering what people were literally popping bottles of champagne in the stands of Allegiant Stadium when when the Raiders were up. They're like, oh, this thing is done. Right? Yeah, 23 yeah, 20 to nothing. We're great. This is a wrap. And then suddenly the tides began to turn very quickly. And 
Kyler Murray came alive. Where has he been? <laughs> Where has that fourth quarter, uh, fourth quarter quarterback been? Oh, my God. That is the Kyler Murray we expect. He's gotten a lot of criticism over the last, say, two weeks. The young man was either listening or he wasn't listening. He either was. way, it worked out. Coach, amazing win or shocking loss? When, when the score was 20 to nothing, I had people blowing up my phone. Is that a thing? Yes. Blowing up my phone saying, <laughs> where is Cliff Kingsbury going to be coaching next Ooh. year? What college? Okay. It was oh. like, come on. I mean, and, and it looked like they were going to get blown out. And it looked like it's going to be a long year. And all of a sudden, that little bugger, he's just come making it, doing his magic stuff. And, and it's a shame for the Raiders because they looked really good yeah. early. And then, uh, I mean, Derek Carr sat on the sidelines for 40 minutes over there waiting to get the ball back. Oof. And then they fumble a couple times late. And so it's a shame that the Raiders, they played two pretty darn good games and they're 0-2 already. But uh, you know what? It, it, that, that was the, Kyler Murray's legs. I guess his arm, too. That guy is really fun to watch. Let's move on to a team that is also finding themselves in an 0-2 hole after their performance in Dallas. Rush gets to the end zone, tosses it, and it's caught by Noah Brown for the touchdown. Rumors of a falling star greatly exaggerated. We asked the right question last week. Is Cooper Rush precisely what the Cowboys needed? But after watching this one, the question is about the Bengals. Willie McGinnis, you've sacked a lot of quarterbacks in your day. You're the <laughs> NFL record holder for playoff sacks. Is Joe Burrow's biggest problem... Joe Burrow. Side steps in, and it's another sack. Sack number six. I don't think so. I, I think he gives you an opportunity every time he steps on the football field to win a football game. And I think um, that his slow start is an extension of him not being there, you know, in camp and in the preseason because of his surgery. Not just being healthy, not playing, but a surgery, which means yeah. you're not practicing or playing um, early on. And I think that there's a lot of changes on this team. He's not blocking. He's not protecting. That O-line still having issues. 13 sacks in two weeks. I don't know how many pressures and quarterback hits. And I think he's just now getting a feel and getting back into the swing of things. And you can see it because every time in the second half or fourth quarter, they come roaring back. But they don't finish. It's not enough. It's, it's little too late. But I think Joe Burrow and his team will be fine. I think he's a competitor. I don't think he dwells too much on the, on, on the wins and how they win and all that. I think the way they're playing now is what means most to him. And when they're not executing or playing at a high level, and the goals are high. We talk about the hunters and the hunted. Well, everybody knows they're a good football team now, so everybody's going to give them their best. So they got to get it together. It may take a couple of weeks, but I don't think they're out of this thing. Uh, no one more hunted than the defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. Mariota, hit as he throws for the end zone, a jump ball intercepted! Jalen Ramsey with the pick! Guys, we saw it again, the scoreboard, 28-3, and we all thought, oh. couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly, and yet this one kind of came down to the wire. Coach, who had the bigger sigh of relief yesterday, Sean McVay mm-hmm. or Jalen Ramsey? Oh, well, Jalen Ramsey finished that game in fine fashion, you know, and won it. Uh, That was uh, the play of the game that saved the day. But Marcus Mariota, he got him coming back. And, yeah, that Sean went, whew, to go 0-2, to start the season at 0-2 as as the champs. That that doesn't happen very often. So Sean is uh, very relieved, and he's anxious to get going on to the next game.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Let's move on to New Orleans. We saw the Bucs go into New Orleans, where under Tom Brady, they have typically struggled 0-4 in the regular season. That narrative changes. Bigger story coming out of this one, MJ Acosta-Ruiz. Jameis Winston being Jameis Winston. Intercepted at the 35, and Tampa Bay gets a pick six. Or Mike Evans being Mike Evans. Now we got a fight on the field. Whoa. Mike Evans just punched a guy, and now the benches have cleared. <laughs> I was still looking at that scoreboard in the fourth quarter. Like, we only have three points apiece. But in terms of headlines, I think the, the Mike Evans um, situation is a bigger headline because at, at some point, and we know the history here behind that brawl, you have to be able to compartmentalize that to a point. Um, it just runs so deep. It runs so deep, and it's been so long of, of, of this beef between them that it's it's rough. It's rough to watch. I, I almost You could almost feel it bubbling up as you watch the game. You knew what the dynamics were going into the matchup, and so I, I had this kind of little pang in my stomach like, oh, man, something's going to go down. Um, the bigger problem is that now he's out for a game. He's one of the biggest offensive pieces for Tom Brady there, so it's rough. And anyone who knows this rivalry knows that it's been bubbling over mm-hmm. for seasons now. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Evans is 3-0 and in these, these heavyweight bouts. I'm not sure. We'll check Gosh. the tape. I think he is. Coach, mm-hmm. you said, and I think I have this right, it simply can't happen. Well, it can't happen, and, and, and it's continuing to happen. And it started in 2017 where they were fighting, and Mike Evans got suspended and fined then. And some things never changed. And that was different coaching staffs. And here we go again with new coaches trying to tell them, hey, guys, you can't fight. We can't fight. We can't afford to lose you. And it happened again. So I don't know what's going to happen. We know he's suspended for the Packer game. But maybe the league is going to say, hey, since you coaches and a couple different staffs haven't been able to to control this situation, then we're going to step in. But it's got to be controlled somehow. It's it's a shame that these two guys, two guys, take it personally, keep fighting. I almost am loath to ask you about this question, Willie, because as a former player, is there a part of you that respects a player standing up for his quarterback? I know that the... I know that the expression of that was overdone. Right. It's, it's, gonna, he's, it's getting him fined. It's getting him suspended, and that is appropriate. But is there also not something appropriate about standing up for your guy, especially when your guy is TB12? No, I think you should always stand up for your guy, whether he's a quarterback, teammate, or whatever. But it's just the way you do it. And just because of the deep hatred for, for each other, Lattimore and Evans, it, 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 if that was somebody else, I don't think Evans would have reacted that way. Right. It's because it was Lattimore, and Lattimore wasn't only talking to Brady. He was talking to the coaches and other players on the sideline. These teams really do have beef amongst each other. It's not, it's not just those two. They really do have beef. I've talked to other players. Um, I already know the disdain Brady has for them and how everybody talks about he can't beat them. 
and we saw some of that frustration pour out of him during the game. Um, it, it goes both ways on a lot of levels, but that is the most um, magnifying one, you know, when, you, when you're looking at it. Evans, of course. And the other funny thing that you mentioned, the coaching staffs were different or whatever. Well, so was the quarterback. Jameis Winston right. was over there <laughs> defending, you know, Evans <laughs> back then when that happened. So yeah. I don't think they'll ever hold hands and, no. and sing kumbaya and be, and be great friends. But you got to be a professional. You got to understand you're hurting other people and your team and how important you are to your team when you make, you know, some of these hot-headed decisions. There was one moment that I did like. I know it's weird to say that in the middle of this brawl. I suddenly saw Cam Jordan's jersey in the middle of all this, right, and his big mask, and he was literally picking up Lattimore, and I could, you could read his lips, and he's like, I got him. I got him. So when we talk about the accountability and who's talking to these guys, you can tell that even in the locker rooms are all like, right. all right, we got you, but like we got to talk about this. And it was such a moment of leadership from Cam that I really wanted to highlight that because I think it gets overshadowed in the in the melee right. of it all. Which it could have exactly been worse. It could have been, been, been worse because yeah. almost the whole team was out there. So yeah. I know a couple players were doing whatever, but it could have been mm-hmm. a lot worse than what it was. Lawrence out of the gun, drops back to pass middle of the field. Christian Kirk toward the goal line. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Okay, let's move on to Duval. And the question I have, well, I have two questions. Was the entire Colts team out there? It didn't seem that way. Here's the question (laughs) for the Colts and the Jags. Coach, more accurate. The Jags aren't bad or the Colts aren't good. Well, surprisingly, the Colts aren't good. Mm. And I I anticipated them to be a good defense with a real good offensive line and run game and now a veteran quarterback that knows how to sling it as well. It's not happening for them. We expected the Jags to be better. You know, they're, they're growing up. A young team, they added some players. Doug Peterson's a good coach. And we expected them to be better, but not not shut out the Colts better. And so right now there's got to be some shaking their heads over there in Indy. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. And we turn our attention now to Denver, where the boos were loud. The scoring was hard to come by. Wilson dancing out of the pocket and throws it away. And once again, with boos raining down, Denver is not able to get it done in a goal-to-go situation. The question is this. What's the worst stat 25 penalties for 206 yards over the first two weeks or 0 for 5 in the red zone over the first two weeks. Or I'll, I'll offer you a third out of timeouts with seven minutes and 38 seconds left in the fourth quarter. What's the worst stat? I'm going to go with 0 for 5 in the red zone. You've got to get points on the board, mm. period. It's insane. I don't, I don't even understand. First of all, all three of those together makes my stomach hurt. But that one in particular. You wouldn't argue with that? I wouldn't because, but, but there's a reason, I think. Because when you have a new quarterback in a new system that didn't play in the preseason, you can't practice the red zone's precision often enough yeah. to get good at it yet. It'll get better as they practice it. Yeah. Jones, step, dials up, deep ball. Oh, what a catch! Nelson Aguilar, spectacular! Steelers-Patriots, 17-14. I only have one question for you. Was 17-14 the most Steelers-Patriots score? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it kind of was. It's I can tell you, being a Patriot doesn't matter how you win football games. There's no style points or any of those other things. 
Um, you know, we've had Super Bowls where we won by field goals. Doesn't really matter. It all counts the same. But it's how you win. You know, I think in that locker room and, and for, for the Steelers locker room because of Tomlin and how he coaches, it's how you win and how you lose. So, you know, you can, you can lose some really good games and play well. Or you can lose a certain way. And all those things get coached up. Two great coaches, two great organizations. And uh, you always find certain coaching points in those in those type of games, regardless of the score. Ram Gano sneaks it through and does it against the Panthers. And the Giants are going to move to 2-0 under Brian Dable. At MetLife Stadium, Brian Dayball, after the game, I wasn't sure I was in a winning locker room or if I was attending a wake because he said, and I quote, this is going to be a long, hard journey. Coach, how hard is it going to be for the Giants? They're 2-0. and They should have been celebrating the champagne. Don't put the goggles on, right? I mean, they, you know, they as long as Saquon Barkley stays healthy and, and, and Daniel Jones plays every game and takes care of the football, their offensive line seems to be getting a little better. That's been that's been their bugger over the years, right? And there's some hope all of a sudden. The Jets win too, and everybody in New York won yesterday, right? Mm. The baseball, everybody won for the first time. Aaron Judge hit two home runs. Aaron Judge from Fresno State. Yeah, I mean, so it's like the first time those four teams won all together in one day since 2009. And so they should be happy because there's some optimism there. And I think by watching the rest of the division, I think they say, hey, we're not that far away yet. That's what he learned from Coach Belichick, though. I mean, we've been in, we've been in locker in a, in, in a meeting room after a game. We've won by thirty, and you would think that we lost the football game. And I just think that he's trying to temper the team not to get too high, mm-hmm. and we have to play a certain way and understand that we expect to win football games. When you've been losing for so long, and I've been on a team that they've lost a lot. Um, when I was with the Browns, and it just becomes kind of natural or kind of team, you get used to it or immune to it. And that's not what he's trying to implement. Expect to win football games. Expect to win a certain way. Expect to prepare. All those different things that he's trying to instill is things that he learned, you know, f- from years and years of coaching. Rodgers, touchdown, Lazard. You give that much space he gonna whip this little sidearm special right in there Aaron Rodgers five straight games versus the Bears with a 125 or better passer rating that is the best in history against one team but the question about this game for me is a question about the next game very quickly guys who has the edge in the battle of the 12s next week Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady first shot at it I'll go Brady I'll go Rodgers I'm gonna say Rodgers Okay, the two Rodgers votes win. The dissenting vote, Brady has to explain. Why Brady? He is upset. He is upset, and an upset Tom Brady is going to show out. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast, and the story in San Francisco is a two-part story. Lance parted off the field. I'm just so unfortunate. The good news in this is Jimmy Garoppolo's played a lot of football. My question for you guys, I'll start with the former coach of the 49ers. Is this a Trey Lance story or is this a Jimmy G story? Well, big picture, it's Trey Lance because I don't think Jimmy G's going to be their big picture. He'll be there this year. Trey Lance is their future. They believe in this kid. It's a shame. The last, think about the last three years of this kid's football career. He played one 
and a half games this year. Last year he started twice, and then he played a little bit here. The year before COVID, he played one game. I mean, he's not been out there playing and doing his thing, and now he's a terrible ankle injury with surgery. He's going to be okay, but it's going to be next year until we. And he's going to be like a rookie again then, right? It's a shame, but he, they do believe in him, and it's it's it, it. He will be their quarterback at some point, and Jimmy G will take it over in the meantime. Considering the evaluation of these two players, the notion out there is that this team will be better with Trey Lance in 2024, in 2025. MJ, are they better with Jimmy G in 2022? I mean, the numbers and the records with Jimmy G under center speak for themselves. They went out there, did what he had to do. He even threw in a little touchdown on the ground, ran it in himself. Um, I think right now they are. He knows that place. He knows those guys. He knows that team. He knows Kyle. My heart broke for Trey Lance. Broke for him. His face said it all when they were carting him off. Um, but as the team had to do, you have to you have to get in there quickly. And Jimmy was ready to. They were lucky that he was there. Willie, you get the last word on this. Former player, you watch what we all watched. Riverback sneak. Jimmy Garoppolo puts it away for San Francisco. There was a certain kind of joy on the faces of Jimmy G's teammates after he plunged into the end zone for that touchdown. And, of course, that joy was not about we're glad to have no. you instead yeah. of Trey. It had nothing to do with it. It had to do with players glad and grateful for, for a man to step up and do what he did. What did you see? I saw the same thing. Um, I mean, I was in the locker room where you saw a guy go down because of injury and the guy get his job take, take, taken and we win a Super Bowl. And as much as you want to play and be out there for your teammates and be the guy, you got to understand it's a team sport. Injuries and all kinds of things happen. And you got to be a professional and, and, and root for those guys. So I think with Jimmy G is he took a pay cut. He was humble. He came in. He understood his role. He knew that they were going to move on. But, you know, preparation, you know, opportunity and preparation all go together. And he was prepared for it. So I think it says a lot about him, how he handled the situation and how he still was there for Trey, although he was the backup. And he still wants to be a starter and will be a starter in this league somewhere. It just says a lot about them, their culture, their team, their relationship, and what kind of guy he is. Okay, one last piece of business before the pod closes, and that's to make game picks for two Monday night contests. Game one, Titans-Bills. What's a... I go Bills. Do you have a score? 32 to 21, I believe, was my score. So, you know, I'm going Bills because I'm sure all you guys watch game day morning. And we did a little fun segment. And I, I was an old newspaper boy in the 1920s. <laughs> and I said that the Bills are going undefeated. MJ, they're going undefeated. So they're going to have to win Woo! this game, right, to do that. Wow. Bills in a tough game, though. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, and I'm going to go Bills 36-21. Can I get a score from you? Oh, you want 27 to 20? Bills. I like it. They want 27 to 20. That's for darn sure. Game number two, Vikings-Eagles. What happens in this one, Willie? 27 to 23. Um, I think the Eagles' defense prevails. They'll come in and fix those run problems that you were talking about. And I do agree, MJ. I think that Dalvin Cook didn't have a wall a big game the game before. I think he'll definitely be an X factor. I thought about using that in our in our in our show, our segment. Um but I think the Eagles are too powerful. I think they're going to be too physical, and they're going to wear down the Vikings. MJ, Kirk Cousins dogged by a narrative, dogged by history in terms of his performance in primetime mm -hmm. games. 
Does that change tonight? It does, based on my pick. (laughs) 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 I do have the Vikings winning this one, 25-23, a close one for sure. I have the Vikings winning in a shootout because I think the Eagles, they were vulnerable. We saw that, giving up 35 points to the Lions. I think they're going to give up 30-plus points in this game to the Vikings as well. This has been NFL Total Access, the podcast. I want to thank today's guests, Willie McGinnis, Steve Mariucci, MJ Acosta-Ruiz. Please join us tomorrow when we begin to look ahead to week three with a special focus on the Bills-Dolphins game and, of course, the Battle of the Twelves-Bucks-Packers. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.